And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Visions. There will be exploring the Machina, a betrayal of the Sith, and a droid becomes a Jedi. We're talking about Star Wars Visions, The Village Bride, The Ninth Jedi, and T.O.B. 1 this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. I'm gross. Oh, excellent. Yeah, we've had adventures in water heaters this week. (laughs) Oh. So, like... Uh, we just got back hot water today, and we haven't had it. It's Tuesday, just for everybody to have reference. We haven't had hot water since Saturday night. And I was like, that's fine. I work from home. And so Sunday was fine, and they were supposed to fix it on Monday, and it was still fine this morning. I woke up, and I'm like, I'm gross. I'm marinating. I am. But it, well, we got a new water heater, but it kept tripping the breaker. So it turns out we had an electrical problem on top of it. <laughs> so we had to get the electrical electrician out here, too. But we're good. I'm in the shower in the morning. I can't wait. I put up my Christmas lights outside. So I'm looking outside and seeing my Christmas lights. So I'm all happy. I actually did that last week. I did a, a November 1st, actually. The moment it was like Halloween was over, I was like, it's Christmas, bitch, get out. We're going to clean out one of our old restaurants because we still have the lease on it, but we haven't been running it. And it, the lease is up uh, in December. So we got to clear everything out. And there's all these rope lights in there, and I think I'm gonna try to scam them. I think I'm be. I, I think the boss will, is gonna be just like throw those out, and I'm thinking I'm gonna light my room with rope lights. Chris, do it. I'm planning it. on it. Oh, it's it's already. Yeah, this is so gross. This place has been left for like six months. Uh-huh. Right. And we went down into the office of it and like the kitchen part is gross. It's all torn apart and gross and it's got to be cleaned. We go down in the office to take a look in the office. The office is just a little it's the basement in the basement. But the basement of this place is finished and dry. And, you know, it's not a it's not a gross basement. Yeah, it's a a very dusty. Right, right, right. Yeah, there uh, there were two two chairs in there. And this is now we're getting gross before Yoda even comes in. And there were the two, the two, they're just office chairs with like, you know, the, the fabric, fabric and foam on them, you know, just standard office chairs. And both of them have green fuzzy mold, like three inches thick, like uh, this fuzzy. I thought you were going in the direction of like, like there's two office chairs and they weren't there before and somehow they moved and I was like, oh, a ghost story. No, no, no not a ghost weird. story. Although we did have another ghost incident at work that was caught on camera. Second one caught on camera at two different locations even. Really? Yeah, one of my coworkers was working there basically with just one other person and they were getting ready to leave and he walked out the door and he heard this, we have this bean masher, but it's like, you know, it's got, it's like, three feet long and has a big like probably like a eight inch diameter you know masher part on the end of it and it was on a shelf 
and 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 it had fallen off the shelf but it's like the shelf is on a cement wall it's not like your footsteps are going to dislodge it or anything and there you know he just walked by it and went outside and about three seconds after he walked out out the door and he heard it hit the ground but you see it fly off fly off the shelf like like a hand was underneath it and flicked it up in the air off the shelf you know very sharply it's amazing just like our 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 our, um i want to say they were beans but i'm I'm not sure what they were they were i'm pretty sure it was beans though like boiling in a pot of water you know so probably weighed about 10 15 pounds and that got shoved off a stove you know it, it was flat on a uh an iron stove Weird. yeah so that place in the basement of that place used to be a storage area for the morgue in the 1800s so oh it's, even weirder it's, it's got a very valid you know Ooh. haunting haunting past to it you know this one this one we don't know you know but uh yeah yeah creepy creepy stuff at work but anyway i think but but we used to have the the boss's brother used to work for us and he was a big fat gross loud guy who was kind of funny but we like to make fun of him for being gross and loud and i was just like she's like why is there mold on this and i'm like that's steve's butt (laughs) 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 that's butt bacteria that like usually keeps getting like if you keep adding butt bacteria to it by sitting in the chair it doesn't nothing happens but when it's left alone it has to grow if we leave it long enough we're gonna find like a baby steve here in a week and if we we go away for a few more months it'll be a full-grown steve grown into the chair (laughs) yeah i gotta go throw that thing out on friday I already have a plan for it. I'm just going to take a giant garbage bag and just lower it over the whole, the whole, um, I'm going down in there with a mask on and (laughs) gloves and a garbage bag. I'm not inhaling that Steve butt juice into my lungs. That's a death sentence right there. (laughs) These COVID days, no sir. the words inhale butt juice ever again never never don't do it you know who also inhales butt juice (laughs) i was just telling way ahead of yourself i was just telling chris beforehand because we did the the show background last week and i was like i don't have a good way of like transitioning into yoda this week and you helped me out with the butt juice you got you didn't me. even do you didn't even do any intro on the we're just talking about who we are well that's the thing i don't have an i have the episode backgrounds but i don't have the show background because we already talked about how star wars visions is that's an anthology true. series that debuted on disney plus and it aired on september 22nd 2021 last week and the executive producers are jackie lopez james wow Rao, josh Ryans, and justin leach along with japanese producer kanato uh shirasaki we already talked about that oh last week oh now yoda is here hey yoda Tell me about your butt juice. <laughs> what, what, what do, do you, you want to know? Do you inhale it? <laughs> Yoda can. Actually, how do you not inhale it? Because that, that's actually what Chris needs to know, is how not to inhale Many butt juice. things are possible through the Force. Yeah. No midichlorians? Hmm, might not 
might be bad luck for you. Hmm. <laughs> or, or does he get Mand- uh, midichlorians? I was about to say Mandalorians. <laughs> midichlorians. <laughs> Yo, Yoda has a high Mandalorian cl- count. <laughs> you gotta inhale those. Millions and millions of little Mandalorians in Yoda's bloodstream. <laughs> I think that's called sperm. Not in Yoda's bloodstream. I, I gotta put down my phone. I was looking. I Yoda was like, does not need vein babies. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was looking. I had somebody like while well, Chris was telling me about ghosts, and I was like, "Hey, do you have this?" And I was looking for it, and then I realized I was just talking and word vomiting and not paying attention. To ghosts. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> yeah. It's you. You don't like ghosts. Oh, is it ghosts the ghost? Here? Is it the ghost of Darth Vader? <gasps> there, there are no ghosts here. Oh. It was Chris. He can stick them on you. Don't like ghosts. I don't like ghosts too. Mm. Actually, I do like I like ghosts. Ghosts were people too, and I like watching ghost hunter shows. As everyone knows, it's my guilty pleasure. So yay! Anyway, Yoda, I got a question for you. A question for Yoda? Yes. So, we're talking Star Wars visions, right? And one of the things that a lot of people in the fandom reacted to was the fashion in the shoes of Star Wars Visions. And I, I even have a note about shoes tonight as well. So what are your thoughts on the fashion choices of the Jedi in Star Wars mm, Visions? Good shoes. Yoda, Yoda loves shoes. Mm, loves shoes. You has, wear has shoes? Over, has over 500 pairs of shoes, Yoda does. I've just had a moment. You don't wear shoes! <laughs> exactly. Mm, not Yoda's shoes, they are. <laughs> they are now. <laughs> this, is that episode of, this is like that episode of Ted Lasso where the lady keeps all the pants of her past lover. <laughs> oh, Yoda has many, much collection. Oh, so so what are your... What are your favorite pair of shoes and where, who did you get them from? Many good-smelling shoes Yoda has, but best... Are Wookie boots? Yes, Yoda has several pairs of Wookie boots. Wait, wait, are they made of Wookie or not? Are boots for mm. Wookies? Because those yeah, are two no, very Wookies different wear, things. Wookies wear boots. In okay, okay. Patients. I was about to say those are very two very different things. Very, very, very smelly are Wookie boots and 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 Bantha shoes. Yes. Ah, cute. And... Do they look like little Bantha feet? Like no, slippers? they're pieces of metal. They they nail to the bottom of the banthas. Oh, like horseshoes. Everybody knows what bantha shoes are. They're good luck over your space house. Oh, word away those ghosts, right? Ghosts! Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Do you have a nice pair of heels from a past lady? Many pairs of heels, yes. Do you like to try them on? It has, yes, has many. Make you feel feel taller? Taller, yes. Makes Yoda's calves look sexy. Mm. I was just Mm. about to say that. Great for your calves. (laughs) Many people compliment Yoda on his calves. Like cantaloupes they are. Mm. Uh. (laughs) That's an image. Tiny, tiny ass Yoda with two fucking cantaloupes stuck to the back of his legs. <laughs> boom, boom, look at these guns. Mm. Guns are usually arms, but we can have gun legs, I guess. But we can have guns all over. Mm. <laughs> well, 
Yoda, I love you as always. Oh my god, a ghost! <laughs> Holy hey. shit. You figured out a wow. way of getting rid of Yoda. I th he, 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 it was like someone just popped a balloon and he just went <laughs> off. <laughs> wow, we need to remember that. If that's an easy way of getting rid of Yoda, ooh. I mean, we'll have to get him a out. Ghost. I mean, we'll have to get him out from under the bed at some point. I mean, I mean, we gotta fit. We gotta tell him. We gotta, we gotta be like Yoda. What, what, what do you think about the Last Jedi? Then, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's dick about Yoda, so he's he's. I hope he goes too soon. Uh. We all die eventually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, would you like to get into it? Let's do it. So first up, we are talking about the Village Bride. Some extra information for you. The Village Bride was produced by Studio Kinema Citrus Co., who is known for Made who is known for the Made in Abyss series, Dot Hat Quantum, and the Rising of the Shield Heroes series. The writers were Takahito Unishi and Hitoshi Haga, and Hitoshi Haga was also the director for the short. The English voice acting cast, because again, we're going to be focusing just on the English voice actors. The English voice acting cast is Shira's reboot, Karen Fukuhara as F. I love her as Glimmer. Love her so much. Star Wars Resistance's Christopher Sean as Asu. Superstore's Nicole Sakura as Haru. Star Wars Rebels, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa as Valko. Stephanie Shea, who is a legend in anime dubbing, starring in shows like Bleach, Sailor Moon, and Naruto as Saku, and Clone Wars, Andrew Kashino as the villain Izuma, and of course, Matthew Wood returned to voice the battle droids. The Village Bride is also the short that Lucasfilm, as of this week of this recording, just submitted for the Academy Awards. It was submitted for Best Animated Short category, this is the first time a Star Wars animated property has ever been submitted for an Academy Award. And at the end of this recording, um, and at the time of this recording, we don't know if it, the formal nomination has been accepted, but we'll have to wait and see. In the behind-the-scenes speech, read, the director talked about how they wanted to explore the relationship between nature and the Force. The mountains are like gods, which in Japan, mountain worship is different from religion. The Majina was a word created for the short, and it has ties to Japanese culture as well as every... Uh, as well as the idea that everything has a soul. The people in the village protect nature, so therefore they are protecting the force. And an interesting point that I didn't pick up on until I watched the short, and then when I rewatched it again, I was like, oh, it is there, I missed this. An interesting point is Director Haga makes, makes is that Asu and Haru are Force-sensitive, but they can't do anything with it other than sense the power of the Force. And I liked that. I thought that was cool because it actually reminded me in a lot of ways of Turret from Rogue One, and I like that point. And finally, Kevin Pinkin is a British-Australian composer who works a lot with Studio Kinema Centris and with Director Haga, and they wanted to explore very traditional Japanese instruments for the score of the short. They use instruments like the show, which was something I had never heard of before. And so when I looked it up, so a show is imagine the pipes of an organ, like all different sizes, but handheld and you blow into it. It's so cool. I've never seen one before. Um, it, it's awesome. So yeah, um, they also use the Japanese sha uh, shamisen, the kodo and the shakuhachi. They wanted to blend these traditional instruments with a Western, with a Western orchestra. Oh shit! So, uh, so a recap of what the Village Bride is: uh, there's a lady named F, 
like the letter F, and she meets with her friend, who is a friend of her master, and he's an old guy, I think his name is Valcor, I said, yeah, Valco. And he's all like, hey, welcome to this planet, I want you to come here. And she's like, why? And he's like, look at those two lovers, they're in danger. And she's like, I don't want to go back to being a Jedi, I'm in hiding. And he's like, cool, come to this party. And he's like, look at this party, man, it's so sad, isn't it sad? She's like, I still don't want to be a Jedi. And he's like, but she's going to be taken, and F is like, fuck. <laughs> F is for fuck. <laughs> F is like, fuck. And so the bad guys come, and he's super campy. And he it should have been like, F is like, F. F. <laughs> and so the villain, Azuma, who is super campy, and I love him, and he's great looking, he shows up, and he's all like, ha-ha, I'm here to steal Haru. And F is like, no, you don't. And she, like, whips out her cool shoes, and she's like, fuck you, and she kills him, and everyone's saved, thanks to F. The end. There's the So what did you think about this one? Um, I'm very surprised that this is the one that they gave to the Academy Awards. Well, I'm, I am and I'm not. I thought it would be between this one, and I actually have a note in the the Ninth Jedi. I thought it was going to be this one or the Ninth Jedi. One of those two. And I think both, both are good for different reasons, and I could see an argument for both of them being the Academy Award one. I think this one's a little bit more visually stunning, and a little bit more artistic. And uh, so I think see, because it's I think because it's a little bit more artistic in the music, I think this is the better candidate, but I could definitely see the argument for the Ninth Jedi, too. Mm, I, that, see, I it's not that I don't like this one. It's... Oh. But this one, like, my, like, my first note is this one seems to be the lowest budgeted one and the least visual of all of them so far. It, it seems to have the most, like, visual shorthand to it, and it, and it didn't... It, it it seemed like it was more about flow than it was about like really like um um gorgeous vistas or gorgeous visions. Or, That's or, so funny because the one thing that the one thing I didn't put in from the behind the scenes featurette is they talked about how purposely slow was so they could have these sweeping landscape shots so it could be very visual. <laughs> But the, the, it's so I it's visual, you, but, this is one of my but like like the the animation is it, it it for lack of a better term, it's more almost like a web web webimation than it is like the other ones that feel like more cinematic. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that, and this is definitely my least favorite of the three the uh, uh this week. But I I still liked it. But it, it's strange. It's and and it, and it's the least. Like, it, it's the most sort of distanced from Star Wars in a way, you know. Uh, um, but I, I like that because it was it was sort of like okay, you have a different word for the Force in it, you know. And I, and I like that because it's like okay, that that this is this is the word they use to articulate the Force and nature, and but they're talking about the same thing, you know. Oh my God, you should see my face right now, Chris, because when you said this is like. What did you say the least connected to Star Wars for you? Well, no. I, I feel exactly the opposite. I was like, this is in, in a way, like I mean, in a, in a in a direct vi like visual way, because it, it, it's a full eighth minute, eight minutes in, where the own if you're watching if if you were watching this not knowing you were watching Star Wars, if say this was on the web, you know, six months before Star Wars Visions came out and nobody told you what it was and you were watching it. 
in the first eight minutes of it, the only thing that's a direct tip off to Star Wars is you see a the the probe droid that's sort of like tied to a stick, you know, as the as the remnant of the past. But everything else is just so like I would be sitting in that eight minutes going, man, this is really Star Warsy, and I think that's purposeful. I think that that they're they're taking it way back to you know the first half of it's almost like here's you know here's a here's where a lot of the ideas for star wars came from and then and then the 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 end of it is like battle droids which i of course i as last time watched the the japanese language version so it was great to hear the the battle droids speak in japanese but then say roger roger I need to go back and hear that. That's a I, I have yet to watch it. Like, it's just like Japanese, 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 Roger, Roger. <laughs> so <laughs> you, get, you get your Roger, Roger in there, you know. It, it, there's just no other, you know. It, 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 Roger, Roger is so iconic that they don't like translate it into like yes, yes, or you know, affirmative, affirmative, or something like that. It's just they just leave it at Roger, Roger because that's more. Because even you know, even a Japanese audience is going to be like Roger, Roger. It's the, it's the battle droids, um, it, it, and it checks off a good Star Wars um, check. Check off is uh, getting a hand cut off. Um, I think this is the only one in here, if I recall, that has a hand cut off. So I actually didn't. I've watched this one multiple times, and today was the first time I was like, "Fuck!" His hand came off. Like I yeah, never very Star today. Wars. And this is like my fourth time watching this one. But like, the, the, yeah, I you know maybe they chose it for that reason. That this one is this one might be like one of the most more uh, in this one and like the very first one are the like just like this is boiled down even further back into Japanese culture than like. Um, Akira Kurosawa and you know which is like the 40s and 50s and 60s you know that the, it's the sort of modern era, era of mid modern era of filmmaking and stuff and this is going back even into more like you know his his you know um, Japanese myth mythology and stuff it's not directly but it's you know it's shadowing it, it, it the, the same way Star Wars did you know but yeah, I I liked it. It's it's my least least favorite. This one. <laughs> my only other notes are like kind of like is uh, um very very uh, surface is uh, um when somebody stops a laser be- uh, a blaster beam in the air, roll away from it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're the one who was about that the, 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 bride girl just she's tied up and stuff but uh, I would <laughs> my first initial move if someone stopped that blaster beam I'm like I'm just gonna roll over here <laughs> like three feet and, and uh, that solves that and because uh, <laughs> who knows how long it'll uh, it's it's gonna stay there but other than that that's all I got on this one so let me tell you all the ways that Chris is wrong. <laughs> oh, oh I, no, I actually find that so interesting because this one to me is like, this is, is one of the strongest ones. And like, I'm like, yes, I can see why this is the Academy Award one, even even though like I do 
feel like the ninth Jedi has a strong argument for being the, the runner up of being, I, I could, like I said, I could see either one of these being submitted for an Academy Award, but for completely different reasons. I'll have I think to this... see, ne- I'll have to, you have to remind me next week, because I'll have to see the next three, after I see the next three, I, I, like, I want to get another look at I the last three before you. I, uh, <laughs> I know, I'll I know. <laughs> and then you'll be editing and you'll be like, oh shit. <laughs> No, because I'll hear I'll hear this this week when I'm editing, and I'll have forgotten it by the next week. When, although I'll be just like, "Oh shit, that's right, we forgot that." Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Done it before. So I'm just gonna go uh, straight my down. I'm just gonna go straight down my notes because I have another page worth. Um, first and foremost, I was really looking forward to this one going into it um, when they announced the voice cast. Because um, when before the visions came out, they they released all the voice cast, and I saw that Christopher Sean was in this one. And when I watched it for the first time, I immediately got so emotional hearing Christopher Sean back in Star Wars, because even though we had been covering Resistance for the last year, we hadn't had any new Resistance content in over a year, and anything with him in Star Wars, and I was really missing Star Wars Resistance a lot. And with so much hate that Resistant gets, it made me so happy that him and Bobby Moynihan both got to be in the show. Because Bobby Moynihan was a uh, Guy in Tatooine Rhapsody and Christopher Sean, who, who voices Kaz, just FYI, everybody. Um, he's the voice of Kaz. Um, just to hear Christopher Sean again just made me so happy because it's, it's so great. And it just made my little Resistance heart happy. Um, and honestly, this one's tied as one of my top favorites. It's this, The Elder, and Tatooine Rhapsody are my three favorites. And I love this one. And, and like, while I do adore Tatooine Rhapsody, it's probably, like, my, my top favorite, this one and The Elder are, like, the two close seconds because I think story-wise and visual visually, this is better executed than Tatooine Rhapsody for what it's trying to do. And it's just a lot of little things. Like, a lot of my notes are just, like, little things of why I love it. Like, like take the opening where when F arrives, Valko is just going around with some device, and it's never explained what he's doing. No, he's this doing I love these kind and 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 the and you know, there's just a lot of stuff that they don't that that they just let the audience absorb, like the like the guy carrying around the chair. You know, it's obviously something ceremonial going along, but they don't like. A lot of times people would be tempted, the writers would be tempted to give you exposition about everything that's going on, but it's it's not necessary. And and yeah. I, I like how they, they you know, it's, it's all just being told visually. That's actually a, a good segue into like my, my biggest note from this, because I like the visual storytelling of the short. And as, as much as I hate to keep harping on it, this again is what I wish the twins did last week. Because there's just like little things, like when you open it and when it opens and you see like the pro the broken like probe droid entangled in the vines, it hints at the stories at the planet's past without ever saying it outright. And to me, like the most impressive feat of this visual storytelling, it's never directly mentioned, but you get it from the dialogue. When she's having her flashback of Order 66, it's heavily implied that she was at the Coruscant Temple and the he they're talking about is Anakin. 
and that Anakin killed her master. <laughs> and it's all there, but they never flat out say, like, oh, Darth Vader showed up at the temple and killed him. But if you listen to, like, what's happening in the background, and especially if you watch the subtitles, like, they're like, we have to stop him. He's coming. And you hear, like, these, like, lightsaber sounds and this blaster fire sounds, and you can put together the pieces of, that's Order 66. That's how her master died. That's her trauma, and it was probably Anakin that did it. And it's yep. just stuff like that that I really love about this short. Because unlike the twins, oh. where they're narrating every single fucking little thing. Uh, yeah, like, I no, think they were. Like, let the audience just make its own conclusions. Because if that wasn't, that that could have been the Inquisitor, for all we know. Like, I th- but, I, like, like you I think the twins did that own... on purpose. I think I, they were just playing a genre like trying to play a genre you know they were they were pl- i did like say it would make a it great up. soap opera right they were they were playing they were playing it up so that you know it was it was just all about getting those big visuals and like and you know there's there is a cliche about like anime characters st- you know fighting and standing off as a bark <laughs> dialogue back and forth to each other and then you know between epic attacks you know so I, I i think they were really like play hamming it up with that one you know this yeah. one this one's the opposite of hammy this one's quiet and contemplative until it's a battle you know yeah but up until the battle it's a very quiet zen-like you know visual storytelling but that's like but that's what i love about this short is like it lets the audience make their own conclusions because, like, like I said, like maybe it wasn't Anakin that was attacking. Maybe it was the Grand Inquisitor turning on the Temple Guards. We don't know, but we, as the audience, get to make those conclusions. Yeah, it so, doesn't like, matter either way what we we decide. It, it's the same thing, you know. It comes out to the same effect. Yeah, and that's what I really love about this short is it's so open for interpretation that you could take it many different ways, and I like that because. One person's reading might be completely different, and both are fine. Unlike something that is like so literal and gives you every single detail, and that's why. And I love it. I love that so much. And I and I like the idea that like F was probably at the Coruscant Temple in Order sixty six. Like that's so cool, and it's so different from something like um, Jay from last week, the Padawan in Tatooine Rhapsody. We actually see him running for his life with fallen battle droids and shit. Like it's it's completely different, but it's the same story. And it's it's just so cool. Um, I and I also I love the romance of Asu and Haru because and and how it's told too because like like the ceremonial chair he's literally carrying a human being up a mountain which is not easy. <laughs> I get winded going upstairs. And but that like that not only like does that show like their culture and their rituals but also their love and like there's a moment where. Like when when he sets her down and he holds out his hand it to help her up, she looks at him with this like light in her eyes, and he looks back at her. And it doesn't need to be the, these crazy bells and whistles. It's all such simple, sweet romance, and it's so powerful. It's so strong, and it's so wrapped up in their duty and their 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 respect and their love for each other. It's such a sweet romance that's so quickly established without having to be like, hey, you want to go out on a date? Oh, tee hee. Like, no, it's just there. No, they have history in this one, you know. Yeah, and like, they have such lovely little flashbacks and they talk about their parents and like, it's so good. I love their romance. It makes my heart sing. 
Um, maybe I should just blow. Uh, no, I'll just keep going straight through. Um, and to me, like this episode feels right at home in Star Wars animation. Um, all three of these shorts in different ways, actually, that we're talking about this week, all feel like they could be episodes of Clone Wars or Rebels. This one in particular felt like very Rebels-y to me. Because um, it's, it's exploring the more mystical side of the Force, so it's like very Bindu or Lasat yeah. or Night Sisters. Um, and then, like I said, it still has a lot of similar story beats, like F losing her master like Kanan did in Order 66. So it still has a lot of those like very Star Wars-y story beats. But it just feels mystical and magical the way that like Rebels really tapped into in a lot of different ways. Um, I think this is the best music of the show. The music in this short is gorgeous and amazing. <laughs> I I love the music of this episode. Um, and, I, and I think you're right because uh, this episode, when it says that, the, like when you were saying that this taps into a lot of anime as well, because this feels very Studio Ghibli to me in a lot of ways. Um, how Miyazaki really loves blending nature and the magic, nature and magic with industrial, and he loves mixing those elements together. And this specifically reminded me of Princess Mononoke. Like, down to, like, what happens when power voids happen in war and the wrong people fill those power voids. And, like, th there's the, the characters when they're at the party where F and Valka are sitting there and they're having a drink and the husband comes over to pour their drink and his, like, really, like, butch wife comes in, like, I'm sorry about him. Like, that's very much Toki and Ko uh, Koroku in Princess Mononoke. Like, those kind of character types. And so, and like the, just the respect for the nature and how like technology can be used to both respect nature, but also clash with it too. And that battle of technology versus nature, while the magic of nature is even more powerful being the Majina, it's so Princess Mononoke in a very Ghibli thing. I'm sorry, I'm gushing now. <laughs> Stop me if you want to talk. No, it's okay. No, I got through my notes. Um, now we're get, starting to get into my like more shallow, smaller notes, but I screamed when I saw the Twilight. It's funny, she was uh, she or he, I can't, it was a he, it was a he, it was he. They were so stylized that it was just on the edge of me being able to go, like, oh, Twilight, you know, it just had uh, enough time on screen to go, like, oh, that's neat. because, but yeah, very stylized, it was neat, and like. It's, and I think the reason why I love the Twilight so much is one of the cool things about visions is they get to create their own creatures so and, and their own people too. So like we had like Lan, the three-headed Oni in Tatooine Rhapsody, or we had um, the big like kind of beastie Jedi in the ninth Jedi. But when you get those like traditional Star Wars species in this, it's really cool because you get to see them in different styles. And I actually wish we had more of that because really Tatooine Rhapsody was the one that's like, we're going to be using these classic styles and these classic aliens and these classic characters. But we didn't really get that in any of the other shorts. They're all either people or like created for the for the Visions world. So I screamed when I saw the Twilight because first of all, like Twilights are my favorite Star Wars species. So I was just like, yay, a Twilight! <laughs> But it was just also so cool. I love that style too. I love the style he's in. So I just made me laugh. Um, I like Valko as a mentor character as well because him as a character feels very, very Star Wars to me. Like the way he sort of like 
nudges F in the right direction. It's very Yoda-y. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but here's all the things you should do. <laughs> and, like, and it's also very... He, I like that he gave her a twist. Like, he was like, here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. And he brought F to a place to where she can reconnect with being a Jedi again. Because she's probably been in hiding for so long that she doesn't I, even really I, feel like a Jedi yeah. anymore. Well, I think she got a nice little blast of the force when they did. It's it's fun. It, it was a neat touch, too, because when they sort of activate that big pillar there or that, you know, they both touch the pillar and it just sort of sends off an energy, nice ball of like friendly looking energy that probably gave her a little Jedi boost where she was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, force, you know, and I, I like that, too. It was very similar to opening up a Jedi temple, you know. They were opening up something. They were just sort of releasing energy. But it was, it was, it was, it was just a nice way of showing, like, you know, here, look, the force is going on. I think he, I think he knew the minute he got her onto the planet that she, she would go along with what was going on, you know, and and just by the fact that she came there to see him, she knew, like, you know, she was letting herself be manipulated in, on some level, you know. And he also brought her there for closure, which is a way to, like, show that she's probably known him for a while. Because he flat out said, like, you know, um, our old friend, like an old friend of mine, uh, you is from here. And she was like, oh, my master. Meaning that she, she knew right. Valka and right. that Valka had a relationship with her master in some way. And so well, I, it reminded me. Oh, go ahead. It's like grounded. He's like using the grounded force, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like, like any, like, uh, like anybody, like who would be a, a mentor or something, but he's, he's not a guy who can levitate rocks, but he's enough hooked up with the force to like, know that like, if I bring her here and that, you know, that it, it's, it's not as much manipulating the situation, but he's sort of like, um, set, setting up you know, something that, that should happen, you know? He kind of, kind of like Hera, in a way, because, like, Hera's not Force-sensitive, but she believes in the Force, and she understands the people around her who do use the Force, that sometimes they need a reminder of the Force. Yeah, yeah, and and he's using the Force, but he's using it, like, say, in the way somebody would follow a hunch or something, you know? He's just sort of like, you know, if I bring her back, you know... It's it's a little bit of psychology, but he's probably being influenced by the force. It was like you know we need a Jedi here to keep the keep bad things from happening. Mm-hmm. And it just but it's story. it's visually told, so it's open to like all sorts of you know all mm-hmm. sorts of points of view. It's great. Yeah. And F story just reminded me a lot of like Kanan or Ahsoka in the books because. Kanan in A New Dawn was like, he, he, I don't want to say he disconnected himself from the Force, but he was actively trying to ignore it. So when he had to use the Force, it just kind of exploded out of him. And he was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and, um, and actually Hera played that role where she kind of like once she figured out who he was, um, she was she sort of kind of did that towards the end. And Ahsoka did the same thing. Like she tried to run from the Force. She tried to hide from it. And it was people in the, I'm talking to the Ahsoka novel now, just so everyone knows. Um, it was her coming to a village that was in trouble that made her stand up and go, I cannot run. I have to do my duty or these people will die. 
And so it's just, this feels just so saturated in stories that we've already had, but it's still uniquely its own. And I really loved the moment where F severed off her Padawan braid and getting that closer closure because it kind of, you know, that she, like, why would she have so have a Padawan braid if she wasn't still mourning her master and holding on to that grief and coming back to her master's planet and cutting off the Padawan braid that represents her being a student from him and taking it upon herself to become a knight and to finally step up and move on and pass that. It's such a beautiful moment of closure. And hair cutting is very significant in Japanese culture. Um, cutting off one's hair, I hope look this up, cutting off one's hair signals the end of an era of their life. And that's her accepting that her closure of her master and getting ready to move on. Um, yeah, she's Britney Spears in it. I was actually thinking Bell's at a bar from the High Republic, but you go with Britney Spears. (laughs) (laughs) At the time of this recording, Hope thinks that when Fallen Star comes out, that Bell Zetafar will finally be a Jedi Knight because he was holding out hope for his master to be alive, and Loden's not, and I cry. (laughs) Chris has absolutely no idea what Hope is talking about. I was getting very, very, very High Republic, Bell. That's fine. Um, And the rest of my notes are all shallow. Um, I love the villain. He's so campy and fabulous, and he's like wearing like a suit, and he has a little tie and earrings. And I'm like, he kind of looks like a paladin design. I wasn't sure because he was giving me very Grand Inquisitor vibes in a lot of ways, but I love the villain. Just he's so campy, and he's yeah. just like, I'm here to be evil, and I'm gonna lash, lap this up, and I'm gonna chew the scene. I'm here to chew on all the scene. Is that a scene? I'm gonna gnaw on it. I love. Yeah, he, he had a little mock energy from. Uh... If if you recall way back last about a year ago from uh, Rock and Roll. Yes, yes, very much so. It was not a year ago. Don't tell me I'm that far behind on editing. It was not a year ago. Don't don't even fuck you. Right? It was Christmas time, right? It was that. No, last... it was not. We recorded it definitely earlier in the year. Okay. It was not oh, our that's Christmas. Right. That's right. It, was, it wasn't a, a part of a Christmas thing. It was the end after it was post uh, Gravity Falls. That's don't right. Don't give me a tiny, a tiny heart attack like that. <laughs> Um, in big words, I just have written battle droids. <laughs> were they stupidly, had to have them somewhere? Were they stupidly, adorably, endearingly dumb in your in the Japanese version? Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, just like you. Well, you know, you had the you had the subtitles, so they were saying this. So I knew the dumb stuff they were saying. Like, what's this? You know, which is like when you're they, in a war and, and the enemy throws something at you, you don't go, "What's this thing?" But they do. Did, did they even like when um when he when Valka threw the bucket helmet and it was falling? Did they also go? Oh, yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> I love them. They're so and dumb. and Roger Roger was in English with a Japanese accent, but it was still Roger Roger. There's still Roger Roger in there. So also yeah. in big letters, I have written the bucket helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I love Valko's helmet. And I'm like, you must have another one because that one exploded. <laughs> but oh, uh, and every time I see it fall, I'm like, what if it landed the other way and shot off into the sky? <laughs> that was a very good lucky throw to that happen just to spin the exact right well, way. Well, that's the thing. The that's sh- the thing. That's what, it, you know, he's doing the Zen Buddhist thing where he's just going with the flow and, and he just knew when to throw it and he knew how to put the right spin on it to get it right in there. And, you know, the, I am... You know, I am with the force, and the force is with me. Yep. 
And the very last note I have, also in big letters, is F's shoes. Her shoes. Those heels are great. Unlike Yoda, I am not a shoe. I do not. I never notice shoes. I never. I just don't notice them. They're not. They're not on my radar at all. Same thing is that hair with haircuts. Unless it's a radical change, I will not notice your your new haircut. These shoes get focused though. You see them unhook and give her that speed boost and light up. They're great. Love those <laughs> shoes. They give her yeah. her speed boost. I love her shoes. They're so hey, amazing. Hey, listen, I I know the rest of the world pays attention to shoes. I do not. There's a whole shot of them doing it and slowly unhooking and lighting up. Yeah, no, it, it it just it didn't st- that doesn't stick in my memory. You know. Uh, it's like a three to five second shot of screen no, time. No, everybody in the world. Like I realized that when we were in in Canada and Toronto, and uh, our, our dirt bag drummer, who like slept on a mat and a floor in a practice space, you know, for the last ten years before that, and had a skullet and just horrible body odor, was like. Just like going like, oh, those are good shoes. Well, hey, that, I don't know if he had, I don't think he had a shoe thing, but he would just like, he pointed out two or three times, like somebody had a, re- that's a really expensive pair of shoes. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I, okay. <laughs> He's like, you can tell a lot of per- about a person from their shoes. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> First, you got to learn about shoes though. <laughs> I'm just baffled because it had its own shot, and it's the why F was able to kill the bad guy because it gave her her super speed. <laughs> um, I also, my other aesthetic note is I like her very thin lightsaber. It looks like a t- katana sword, and it's very yes. thin. It's not that rounded blade that we're so used to. Yeah, it's um, a flattened, thought, flattened blade. It was, yeah. It was really, really cool. So... Um, that's all I have for the village bride. It's, it's one of my personal favorites. I love this episode. Like it's, it's in my top three. It's, I, I absolutely understand why it was the Academy Award one. So Mm. this, this next one I would have to say is my favorite of this episode, but I mean, it's all on a thin margin because I really really like, I, I, uh, and, and to 2B1 is also like is probably a close second which I didn't I I didn't like it as much the first time the second time I liked it a lot more yeah so are we ready to get into the next one yes I am I'm get I'm I'm skipping ahead I'm already talking about the third one so yeah (laughs) all right well Chris is wrong the village bride is amazing I didn't say it wasn't amazing. I'm just saying it was my, it was, well, you know, for whatever reason. Where does it rank compared to last week with um, the dual Tatooine Rhapsody and the Twins? It's probably above the dual. It's probably, I, I probably like it better than all three of those, actually. Although Ooh. the dual is close, but I probably like it better than all three of those. Should we at the last, once we get to the, uh, we will figure episode. it out. We'll figure it out at the end of the last episode. And yeah, because I won't know until I've watched them all a second time. Because okay. I like, I, I definitely, I definitely had a total change on on the last one of on this one. So, yeah. okay, I'm actually putting in a note. 
So we do remember, rank all nine episodes at the end of next week, even though I already know my rank, it's fine. All right, so the next one? Let's do it. The Ninth Jedi is produced by Studio Projection IG. Known for the uh, clamp anime XXXholic, it's pronounced holic, but you can't see how it's written because it's actually spelled XXXholic, even though it's pronounced holic, because clamp's crazy and I've loved them since the 90s. Um, they also did some of the Attack on Titan shorts, but they are most known for creating the Ghost and Shell movie. And, fun fact, they were the ones who designed Nadar, Kit Fisto's ex-Padawan in the Clone Wars episode Lair of Grievous. Ah, one of our favorites. And, and uh, oh man, what a scintillating character Nadar was. I know, I know much was, you hated him, but that's like, was, that's your favorite episode everybody, of Everybody wants to sit around and have a beer with Nadar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The writer and director of The Ninth Jedi was Kinji Kamiyana, very much known for his action sequences. The massive English voice cast, because this is a huge voice cast, includes Into the Spider-Verse's Kamiko Glenn as Kara, Marvel Simi Liu as Zima, Andrew Kishino as the Margrave Juro, Hiros Masioka as Ethan, and Greg Chun, Eva Kamisky, Patrick Seitz, Michael Center... So, oh my gosh, your name. I'm so sorry, Michael. Uh, Sinker Niklas, uh, Adam Seitz, Kyle McCarthy, JP uh, Karliak, and Neil Kaplan to round out the rest of the cast. So the Night Jedi is why the original announcement for Star Wars Visions was changed. It was originally announced to be 10 short films, not 9. But the director came with two different ideas, thus the original 10 number. And they decided to merge the two ideas together into one longer short to make the final number nine. The first story had been about a lightsaber blacksmith. The second one was about masterless Ronin Jedi. And they were afraid that the two separate ideas couldn't stand on their own for full shorts, especially with the time limit given by Lucasfilm, which was originally 10 to 15 minute shorts. But when production IG submitted both ideas, they realized that they being Lucasfilm, uh, realized that both stories could exist in the same universe in the same space together. So the creators were given permission to make a full 22-minute short, with the uh, which is the extent of a normal animation episode, so they could put both stories together. The Ninth Jedi explores what became of the Jedi Knights and is set after the Rise of Skywalker and is set way in the future, like not even close to the Rise of Skywalker, but set way after it. The founder of Production IG, Mitsuhisa Ishikawa, talked about one of the biggest challenges of Visions. He said, we were given more freedom than I had expected, and that probably put more pressure on the director. It's Star Wars after all. Honestly, nothing is more challenging than more freedom. And the director, Kenji Kamiyama, said, if I were to make a Star Wars film, the force chase scene on Endor is the scene that I wanted to do. I saw episode 6 when it was first released, and the speed of the chase scene through the forest was unforgettable. Um, this was all from the behind-the-scene featurette, which also had. Ishikawa talked about how the visual effects of A New Hope were similar to animation, and Star Wars effects were like a bible to him as an animator. He said that Star Wars gave him encouragement that animation could actually compete in the field of, field of movies. He said it was like fate that Star Wars came back to him in this way, and this was a must-do project. The music was actually recorded not in a studio, but in the Kawasaki Symphony Hall in Japan with a full orchestra, which gave it a different ambiance of sound. And finally, 
they wanted to trick the audience. So they purposely gave Margrave's design influences of Darth Vader, and they made the Sith Jedi look very nice and kind. Alright, what are your thoughts on The Last Jedi? Yeah, this is this is definitely my Jedi. favorite this is my favorite one. I like that it started out and it it it, it totally played me by like really fetishizing lightsabers and making it seem like ah you know a lightsaber it, and it like lightsaber makes a jedi when in fact but you know the totality of the episode sort of debunks that a little bit and uh it's just get the atmosphere in this one and uh the editing and the sound design are just really hit a lot of my it's not as much a Star Wars thing, but it's a, a visual storytelling, a simple, the, um, I really love those mining slings and the, I know, the sound, so cool. the rhythm, rhythm to them and the sound to them. It reminds me actually, we haven't watched it yet, but someday Chris will make hope watch fantastic planet. But there's some, it, it reminds me of a little bit of, of, uh, fantastic planet and the the sound design in it of uh the 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 um the uh, and and it makes sense hearing him talk about how much he liked the the endor chase scene because this one captures it, it it captures the motion and dynamics of it but it also captures the the sound design and the feel of it but at the same time it's in winter and it reminds me a lot of the sound design of this is this is so weird. The uh, I'm trying to think of what platform it was. It was one of the Nintendos that had the original Pod Racer game, and uh, there was one of them on a on a winter planet that, ha- that. But like the sound design of it made it feel like there's there's a, almost a quiet that comes with snow on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, where it muffles all the sound. And he captured he captured the sound design of snow in a forest, but with speeding speeder bikes. You know, just from just listening to the sound design, it sounded like you could close your eyes and it sounded like it was happening in the winter. It was just it it it. And, and it, what if it, I while while you're talking about the original trilogy, like that was actually one of my notes is there's a lot of like cute little nods to it, like be, one being the indoor scene, and the other one is when Kara's house explodes and her father's on the ground. It's very like the death of like Baru and Lars and Luke yes. Skywalker finding them, and it's it's one of those things that like it's it's tipping its hat to the original trilogy in a lot of ways, and you could tell that these are a lot of homages to it, but it's still doing its own thing, which is still very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, like an- another there's a lot of um the visuals remind me of uh heavy metal the you know heavy metal magazine which is basically like was like french french adult cartoon style like especially mobius um uh like the t robots are very like heavy metal <gasps> but the t robots are uh, so awesome uh. Well, I have a note about that, so let's go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, um, the the T, T, T uh, It's funny because I'm looking at my notes and I and I, and I have my bifocals on and I see ten robot pilots. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? It's T robot pi- pilots. I and th- that not only do they drink their tea, but they have a little steam release that's in. And and it's a robot, but it's very it's very Asian in the like. 
look, I'm doing my ritual, my tea ritual right now. You can come back when I'm done and we'll, we'll, we'll go on the show. And, and then like, okay. And just slowly walking with her pushing, her pushing him is totally like one of those things where if it didn't totally visually work, it would be awkward. But in this, like, the audience is visually wanting this robot to walk faster and she's and and her pushing on it like aligns right where you're thinking go faster go faster it's just very very well although like i think this one is better animated and i like it better than the villa the village bride like i don't know if this one would be a good one for like to give the academy awards because it's it's it has a lot of the same elements but it, it ends up being more of a just sort of a a, a very battley the bat the battle has a lot of depth to it and the the actiony part of it has has a lot of depth to it but this it it feels like a pilot like a pilot to a really good series that I would watch yeah, that's kind of funny because this is the number one short that most people scream want a sequel because well, yeah, it has because such an open ending. Well, but it's like it's like, are you gonna help me go find my father? And he's like, yes, of course I am. You know, let's go. Like, <laughs> and it, let's get out. And it ends and it ends in the classic Star Wars music, which for the most part means coming up next episode next, which is bump bum 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 bum. Which is a finality, but it also gives it that sort of. This is a this is the first um, animated Star Wars thing that I've heard that ends with bump, 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 bump. You know, that wasn't the first one that wasn't one of a numbered movie. Um, but like a, as a pilot, it see it, it, it like the the Village Bride is more of a self-contained. And that you could definitely spin that off because you have a character that's just ripe for for stories in in the village bride but it's a it's more it's a more of a self-contained story this feels like episode one so i that that's why i probably would be like ah, i wouldn't although i think it's just i mean it's just gorgeously animated and the visual design you know the you know the backgrounds are very nicely detailed and man it has some grisly grizz some of the more grisly deaths in star wars mm -hmm. you know people people getting sli sliced with lightsabers and then their bodies sliding apart you know stuff that's a little uh little edgy but uh yeah for the most part that's that's all i really have uh, oh oh <laughs> what am i <laughs> Emo Siths. <laughs> Siths. Emo Siths. It's Siths are like calling out their buddy's name when they get when they get killed. Siths. When, when do you ever see Siths? When a Sith gets struck down, they go, Bobby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> never. They don't. They they usually don't care about their. You know, that's the. They're they're usually. You know, well, there goes. There goes Bobby. That's one less Sith I have to compete with. These these guys. I mean, they're young, you know, and they're buddies. But like, you very you, you usually like when one one of somebody gets killed and somebody goes, no, <laughs> not 
not little Jimmy. <laughs> it's usually the good guys. And it was just very refreshing to see a, a Sith feel emotions when his when his friend died. How, a Sith with a friend. He had a friend. <laughs> called him out, called out his name at his death. But that's so, a, that's all that's all I got. So I'm gonna touch on my notes that you've hit um, already and go through those. And one of them is I found that very interesting about the Sith. And I think a lot of that is because this is set so far in the future. I think that's interesting because the Margrave comes off at times almost villainous. Um, yes. And we're told he's a Jedi and that he's the good guy. But we're so far in the future that maybe the tides have shifted where the Sith are trying to, like, are, are actually caring about each other. And they're actually angry and they're hurt when one of their fellow like people are killed. And I think that's an interesting idea of, like, maybe the tides have been turning where the Jedi while still probably on the good and the light side, and you have people like Kara and Ethan who are like, good boy TM, good girl TM, but the Margrave is very tricking. Like, he's trickster, and he comes out looking like Darth Vader, and he's just slaying them. Well, he's playing, and, the, he's playing the, the Sith that way, but at the same time, maybe both sides are, like, just have more integration of the other side in them, so, you yeah. know, he's... He, as you know, as a you know, being a polarized light side and dark side might not be the best thing for e anything. So the you know, it's it's almost more like um, the characterization in Harry Potter, where you had many you know Slytherin characters who were who were um, shaded and and sympathetic, and had hu human emo you know they weren't all a bunch of you know sociopaths or psychopaths or mm -hmm. or whatever emotion you know emotionless you know schemers and uh so maybe the sith are like are, are you know maybe the sith have come to a point where they're like hey you can have you can have friends and feel feel bad you know it's not always weakness you know yeah so maybe, because what they and, were saying is they just wanted to stop the jedi and the jedi wanted to end the war but for all we know in this time period, first of all, we don't know anything about the war. So maybe the war is actually like the good people trying. Like, what if the war is the rebellion? Like, and they're trying to like aid the rebellion, and thus Jedi putting a stop to the war would actually be for the bad guy. We don't know, and that's what I like about this interpretation of just like it's set so far in the future. We don't know what the right. context of anything is, and so it could be a thing where like there's a muddleness between the light and the dark side and the Sith can love and have friends while the Jedi are more ruthless because that Margrave is just killing them. And, 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 and at the Kara same time... And are just are just defending themselves for the most part. They could be like an early Knights of Ren, though. They could all be a bunch of teenagers who don't, who've been sort of leaderless and like, you know, for lack of a better... One is definitely like, an old man. They're, they're a group... They're a group huh? One is definitely an old man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, he's not the one who's calling out people's names either. They, they, like a bunch of them could be a bunch of like basically like teenage metalheads who like meet under meet under the railroad bridge to do, you know, doofy, doofy Satan ceremonies, you know, or something, you know, and uh, and uh, not and, you know, they've learned enough Sith stuff to get where they are, but not they they're you know they they've they're not trained you know they're just 
sort of raw and and still still doofy enough you know maybe they haven't even killed anybody at this point you know yeah so i i think that's a really cool kind of twist on this um to touch on the other two older notes that you've already hit um i do love the old droid is probably my favorite character in this short i love that character and it's such a perfect marriage with what star wars visions is trying to accomplish like you're right it's such a japanese thing of just like drinking his oil through the tea and like steaming and how he moves and just like nice little details. Like when Kara's pushing him, you can see her footprints sliding under her. Sliding behind her, yeah. It's such a nice little detail, but that that droid also is so Star Wars. You know, we have these sassy droids that have like little quips and like Oh well are... that where he goes, what it's like nice technique or something. Nice like moves. That. I was just about nice to say moves. that. But with that, with the I way, laughed. The, well, because the edit that was a very Star Wars cutaway edit. It was, it was, it, like the thing about it is these guys are masterful with that stuff. Because, because, in a lot of ways, Star Wars got a lot of that stuff from, you know, it's it's a very Japanese anime style. Although anime wasn't like what it is now when he was doing, but manga and. And just the the Japanese storytelling, you know that 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 style, but and and like in um, you know a lot of like movies they would make, there would be beats that are like this. That you know, it's just one of the things they have in common with Star Wars. So when it meshes, yeah, because when that scene happened, I laughed too, and because it was perfect, it was a perfect, and and like. Somebody saying, you know, nice moves or whatever could be really cheesy, but if you do it perfectly, it, it's beyond great. You know, it's it's perfect. It's, it's such it's, a deadpan like delivery. It felt like yes. it could be something like K two S O would say. In the middle of in the middle of Harry, like Jin and Jin and like Cassie are trying not to die. <laughs> well, like, and it also like if you were like, and it also it's like sort of taking into consideration that little kids are watching it too because with like fighting and conflict you know just like a like say say the twins that sort of fight little kids can watch that sort of fight for a whole episode because it's all just like come on yeah it's bright lights and 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 it's sort of fun wish fulfillment fighting you know sort of thing but this is like this is like life or death you know intense stuff so it's so it's nice to have a little break you know for the and like if i was a little kid that and and, and it's a laugh and the laugh is a release of of tension you know yeah because and, there's uh, there's definitely some like like i the first time i saw the sith storytelling turn on, masterful storytelling is what like, that is. like the first time that the sith i remember watching like the sith turn on their lightsabers and they're all red that oh shit moment, like my blood went cold. I was just like, oh no. My thought was, <laughs> I, I thought, I was like, nice. Because I was just like, this is how you fucking tell a story, you know? Yeah. And they said it, they check off's lightsaber with it, like, ooh, your lightsaber, you know? And her lightsaber was even like, even if you don't really, if you're not really like attuned as much, it's kind of like transparent too, you know. It's kind of yeah. sort of Hers not that. Green until later. 
not there and and it had a sort of greenish tint to it but it was uh, you know and it would fade out in parts it was just it, it was a very nice setup for that for that one moment and when it paid off Especially and it was like, also uh, you didn't know that they were setting it up as much because there's also a moment earlier when they were like we want proof of this and the Margrave hiding inside destroyed held out the lightsaber and Ethan picks it up and of course he's good boy TM so it's blue and I was just thinking if any one of them if any one of the other of them picked it up they would have been fucked um, and it would have revealed them too early because there's a mo- because none of them are reaching for it and Ethan goes oh man a lightsaber I'm good boy TM I'm gonna pick this up and <laughs> turn it boy. on. I've always wanted to try a lightsaber out. But, like, none of them were like, let me turn this on, except for Ethan, who was, like, super eager to do it. And, like, I was imagining, like, what would happen if Ethan hadn't done that? And they were like, don't you want to turn it on? And all of them just been like, ah! (laughs) Like, that would have been different. But they relied on, like, Ethan being the pure boy he was. And so, like, it's... Watching this the second time around, even then, like, knowing that it's coming... It's done so well. I'm just like I could still yeah. see this going multiple no, ways. No, it's it's it's. I mean, it, a, a well-told story. You want to hear it told over and over again because of mm-hmm. those. And there was they did a great misdirection, where you're sort of focusing all your your like trying to figure it out on the the Margrave guy, and you're like thinking that's going to be. And he does get a little twist to it and stuff, but it. It's not the it's not the fulcrum that every that the you know where the uh, the, the oh shit moment plays on. It's it's all the lightsabers and you're like oh all red light oh oh shit. And yeah, because even with the Margrave, like and even when they're like you know we're all Sith that have it's just like they didn't even have to explain that you knew it just by them igniting their lightsaber. It's yeah, awesome. Because even with the Margrave, like, he's still, he, he's presented as a very shady character for the entire thing. Yeah. And the thing that solidifies him as not a bad guy is when Kara says, I've known the Margrave my entire life. And because she's the protagonist and the good girl TM, we trust her. And then it solidifies, oh, he's not a shady dude. This was a test. She and, but literally all- says he's just a doofy old man or so, you know. No, to- he says that about himself when he's in the droid. Oh, that's right. That's right. He, he said it about himself. But, like, he is presented, and he has this, like, almost, like, Vader mask on with these red eyes. And he's presented as this, like, really creepy, villainous kind of person. But it's only when Kara it's, tells us that he's It's a good very man. Nazi, and there's... I'm trying to think of where I've seen that before. But there was a movie with a with Nazi characters that looked almost like like him and it may have been an anime movie but um yeah it's very very nazi which is where's what star wars drew from too and uh, although like nazi imagery in in japanese if coming from a japanese point of view has a a little different like it's still negative (laughs) But it's got like a different history to it, you know, and mm. it, 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 it's probably makes it even darker for Japanese audience. You know, Nazi imagery is probably even darker because it 
you know, hints towards more internal darkness, you know, rather than external darkness for like American viewers with with Nazi imagery. Um, so those are the ones that you had already touched in. So now I'm going to go back to the top and start going pretty straight through. Right. Um, something I really like about the short is the fact that it is set so far in the future because it's completely removed from all known Star Wars and it gets to be its own thing, but it still feels very Star Wars <laughs> in its own way. And I, I was wondering, what is your thoughts about that? Because it's apparently set like a couple centuries after Tross. Um, it makes a lot more sense set like that because there's, you know, just, a, you know, it, you're trying to figure out like when would, you know, but like the thing about Star Wars is time gets really slippery because the first, you, you know, you could just be moving further out in the galaxy, you know, the further out in the galaxy, they might not even know about, you know, we, we could be way before episode, we could be a thousand years before episode one, you know, not really because some of, because of some of the technology you see, but, but eh, not really. Cause nothing is like, there's nothing super iconic outside of the lightsabers, you know, just the, you know, um, yeah. So, uh, I, I like I like that it's it's uh it's it's uh it's it's interesting it it begs the question of like you know that, that did Ray just sort of like go off and do her own thing and that was that and and the and the Jedi have, and Sith have rested for <laughs> you know 100 200 300 years or something well, see, like that's that. Funny. I have a note about Ray. Um because that actually this story really works with me with what was going on with Ray because for the longest time Ray was a masterless Jedi. It wasn't until she finally got together with like Luke and Leia because she would just use the Force naturally when she was on Jakku and like use it to kind of guide her and drive her even if she didn't know that she was doing it. And she trained with Luke and Leia but she then set out on her own and i could see her making a force school that was a that was of masterless jedi that relied on the force over jedi doctrine and i liked that because that feels like something like this feels like something that she set up where she was like we don't need masters we just have to learn through the force on our own and we have to teach ourselves through that way and that felt very ray to me but now we're seeing the repercussions of it down the line where people are just like, we don't fucking know what to do. And then all the lightsabers gone. <laughs> so I like that. It's like, I could see this is something that she set up, but now we're seeing the repercussions of it down the line to have a story like this. So I, I actually really like that. And, it, but it's also still so far removed from like the Skywalker stuff because like every other short in this feels like it takes place somewhere in like known star Wars. And this feels like known star wars but it's so drastically different that it feels like the start of something new so right or you know as as i was saying i i was if i was taking everything as alternate universe anyway since it's not in canon yeah so to speak but yeah every uh, almost everything is pretty open to figuring out how it could fit in canon in some way you know some of the some of the like some of the physical feats of the of the twins and stuff like that is 
you know, exaggerated and ridiculous, but I just take it as being more of a mythical story, symbolic story than a literal story. Like the, like say an episode movie would be like, this is literally what happened. And that would be more of a, like, this is a tale someone tells, but, uh, I'm, I'm fine with it being in that time period. It, It makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and uh, gives it a, a a bit of a clean slate to work with, you know, mm-hmm. which is which is helpful these days with Star Wars storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard. Everything is so married to everything else that like having these things that are com- having the freedom of being completely detached. They, it's almost a backdoor to, you know, Multiple when they pilots. Do, <laughs> well, yeah, multiple pilots, but I mean, to adding new re- resonance to the the canonical stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and actually by actually trying to fit it in. Oh yeah. Um, to continue to run through my little notes. Uh, I love her little droid four nines. That's just a cute little droid. That droid it's is so very funny. heavy metal. Yeah. So cute. So cute. Cute. I love him. Um, I don't think this was on purpose but the symbol on the margrave's lightsaber looks an awful lot like ahsoka's fulcrum symbol and uh-huh. i i uh-huh. doubt that was on purpose because i uh, there was nothing like noting like and that was an odd ahsoka's fulcrum symbol but it looks a lot like ahsoka's fulcrum symbol <laughs> the people who made this have got to be at least as nerdy about star wars as we are so it's very yeah. possible that they if they didn't want if they didn't mean it to be exactly that they wanted to evoke it, you know. And, somebody... I, and I do know that Rebels is over there because my friend June, um, who lives in Japan, uh, she's a huge Rebels fan. So well, I do know, know it's over there. You know it's over there? The internet. So they've seen yeah. Rebels. And I'm sure uh, they can buy DVDs of it. Um, run through my little notes and then I'll go back to my last big note. Um, the my favorite part of the indoor chase scene is Kara sliding on the ice and like trying to get her footing as she's running. It's so smoothly done of someone yeah. actually running on ice, and it also reminded me a lot of ways in Star Wars Rebels when Sabine is fighting on the ice lake, the dark saber. It was a very Rebels moment. It was just like yes. Uh, okay, so that was my last little note. For last one, I've been note. Um. I want to talk about the importance of lightsabers because one of my favorite moments, and this kind of goes back to how, like what I was saying about these like strange Sith and how they actually seem like they're nice. Um, There's a moment, even when these Sith in hiding uh, are, you know, pretending to be Jedi and they're Sith, the moment that Ethan lights the Margaret's lightsaber, they're all in all of it because lightsabers have been gone from the galaxy for so long that even these Sith are just staring at it with tears in their eyes. Like, Oh my God, it's a lightsaber. (laughs) And it's such a very powerful moment that even from both sides, the light and the dark, they're all in awe of this symbol of the force. And I'm not even saying a symbol of the Jedi. It's a symbol of the force and harnessing the power of the force through their Kyber crystals. And it's it's so cool how they use that the lightsabers to not only through the characters show the power and the importance of the lightsaber, but they also use the sabers to kind of tell the stories. Um, because Kara's lightsaber is that that transparent thing until she finally really accepts who she is and it turns green. And there's another moment where she's fighting Holman when he starts like kind of shifting back to the light side. 
his his lightsaber shifts from red to purple to show that he's coming back to the light side. So there's some really cool storytelling moments too, where you can start seeing where Holman's like, wait. I'm not a Sith. Oh, God. And his lightsaber turns purple. But it's still that kind of mix of colors between, like, light and dark. And he's still kind of in that middle. So I just, I really like how they use the lightsabers to tell the story. Um, I didn't put any notes about Kara's father. But I just want to toss out that I think it's really cool, this idea of a non-Force-sensitive being a lightsaber smith. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. Oh, I remember the other thing I was saying. Um... So not knowing this the first time I watched it, uh, when I was going through it the second time, knowing that these were originally two separate shorts that were formed into one, it became really obvious that it was until the end. But it also made the end sing a lot more yeah. because it was clearly these two separate events happening and they no, the merged together right at the end. And it worked so well. The way they put them together was seamless and... And obviously seems to be like that. <laughs> Sorry. Gazuntai. It seems like uh, the, 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 the end result is greater than the sum of the parts. So Sorry, that's, pro- that's probably why they said, okay, do it as a 22 minute episode, you know? And I think that was actually cool because when I, when I found that out that originally um, it was going to be two separate shorts, I agree. Because can, can you imagine as these two separate things of like, Car and her dad doing one thing, and then like all the Sith and the and Ethan and the Margaret yeah. doing the thing and just being separate, like they'd be fine. But together no. they work so well. Yeah, no, that that they, they they needed that. It has just the right amount of moving parts to make it work perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, anything else on the Ninth Jedi before we go to our very space Astro Boy baby? Nope, I'm I'm ready for the the. This is the one that that like I ended up liking a lot more than the first time. This was fun because, well, I'll talk about this in a minute. But this was the one that took me by complete surprise. <laughs> so, all right, so now it's time to talk about Tob One. <clears throat> Tob One was produced by Science Saru, known for the work on Space Dandy. They also worked on the American show OK. KO, Let's Be Heroes, and they also worked on the Annie Award-nominated episode of Adventure Time Food Chain. Also, they produced Akakiri, which we'll be talking about last week, which, which was the final short of Star Wars Visions. The writer was Yuchiro Kido, and the director was Abel Gongora. Cool thing about Abel, because uh, I, I found this in the behind-the-scenes featurette, he's actually from Spain. He, but he fell in love with Japanese animation, and he was like, "I'm just going to move to Japan." So he's a, he's actually a Spanish animator who now works and lives in Japan. So I just thought that was a cool thing. Um, the English voice cast is Marais Jaden Waldman, Friday Night Lights Kyle Chandler, and Attack on Titans Neil Kaplan as the Inquisitor. TLB1's director, Abel Gongora, sought to combine visuals and narrative elements of the classic trilogy with those classic animes by drawing parallels between anime and manga of the 1960s and the cinema traditions of the late 1970s. These were also included nods to both Astro Boy and Mega Man. Executive producer James Rawls said, Stylistically, it is completely different than everything else. I think one of the things that really drew me to it was its simplistic art style against a sort of Mobius-inspired set of backgrounds. And finally, the -the behind-the-scenes featurette said that they were doing a Pinocchio story, even pulling from the Disney movie. It was 
it was set to be more of a fairy tale that they wanted to give more vintage animation feeling to it. They also wanted to give Toby some nods to Luke Skywalker as well, dreaming to get off his own desert planet. Well, that's my first note, is tattooing? Is this tattooing? I don't know, and I, and I actually kind of like not knowing, because... It has the, tw the, twi the way the twin suns are oriented to each other is, like... That's the th that's the thing is not only having two suns of a visual cue for tattooing, but the way those suns are together has, is so burned into my mind that when I saw it instantly, I was like, "This is this is tattooing." See, okay, so what's fun about I this want it, I I'm 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 in my head canon. It's tattooing because I like the idea of tattooing starting to get terraformed. I. I, I, I'll, I'll get into more of this in a minute, but like what I liked about this one is how it was more of a fairy tale. And so I yeah. feel like this is fairy tale Tatooine, not like real canon Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, none of this is real canon anything, but I think. I, I think well, yeah, like, like if we're debating, like, is they, this they, a they gave They gave you enough to allow it to be Tatooine in your imagination. And my other note, my other note is Mobius, so I'm glad that they actually did name drop Mobius and Nelvana. It's got a little Nelvana. And it, it also does have a little Nirvana, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And 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 uh, there's a softness to it, but detailed, but soft. That sort of Nirvana, like and like the the Nirvanas that we like, rock and roll in the Star Wars holiday special Nirvanas. They've done different styles of animation, and they've done soft, soft, more storybook illustration animation star wars in the early days of star wars when they would do children's books would have illustrations like the animation style in this so it didn't feel too you know off off star wars at all it felt very you know very very on on the mark but um i i, I forgot where i was going with it but i um that his character was reminded me in some ways of uh, Data <laughs> from Star Trek, but oh, I know what I was going to say. The style of it also, when it got stylistic, when it went into his imagination and stuff, it reminded me of a lot of mid-century, like cartoon, like more um, expressionist or you know, um, cartoons from the fifties and sixties. You know where where the the backgrounds would be really stylized, and it would just it would be a very a more symbolic representation of what was going on, and uh, the animation style would get more like almost like chalk drawingy. But uh, what turned me on this is I don't know why I didn't notice it the first time, but like I think what 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 made me go ah this time was when. He pulled the kyber crystal out of his chest and it's like oh yeah okay so that makes perfect sense it, it was with you all the time you know mm -hmm. and he had but i'm thinking this 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 little genius old old guy is programming jedi i don't think he's dead that's what that's what set off in my brain when when he goes out and sees a pile of rocks and he's like oh he's dead and that's a short good shorthand for there's papa's grave but it makes me think, who buried him? <laughs> the those guys who were coming to get him, they were 
they were going to give him a, a decent burial, you know. So I'm thinking. Well, I'm thinking, that, that's all the things that makes me feel like this falls into the fairy tale category. Yeah, this guy is. This guy is. This guy is like the Jedi Johnny Appleseed. He he programmed this little robot to to progress through the stages, uh, like psychological stages of being a Jedi, and then like. You know, certain things would click in at, at, at the when he would reach a certain point, and like it's almost like well, another important thing about a Jedi is uh, is uh, you know he's got to lose his his master at some point and be on his own. So he 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 set up his own death and 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 as the Jedi robot progressed, he you know became had enough depth to be responsible to be a Jedi and is going to continue his work of saving planets, uh, you know, of improving planet, you know, going, uh, and on top of it, he's a Jedi, so he can fight for, for the forces of good. And this, this old codger's probably on another world right now with a bunch of robots and working on his new, you know, little Jedi and, like when it's when it, when he's like, well, I've got about two years before I got to get out of here. I better build me an Astro Boy, then I'll send him on his way. I'll hit the other end of the galaxy. The you know world. how I know he's dead? How? Because in the world between worlds, he has his arms back. In the world between worlds. Yep. In the world between worlds scene, he has his arms back. Oh. But again, like that's where I feel like it falls into like very much the whimsy fairy tale side of the story. Like yeah. this is very much Pinocchio. And they flat out said that they pulled from the Disney movie. Um Oh, did you have anything else before I dive into my notes? No, that's that's all I got. Um and, and that's that's what I like about the story the most. Um is this one this felt like like a story that like a youngling in the Coruscant Temple would like read in their downtime. Um, like it just feels like it's, yeah. it's so whimsy and it has that kind of like uh, the, the, like the tale of like, this is how I go be a Jedi and I have to lose my master at some point and blah, blah, blah. Like it feels like a fairy tale and it's drawn like one too. Um, it, and it feels, I, I like how you mentioned the chalk because I, I, I've been trying to put my finger on like, what does this feel like? And you're right. It's chalk. It's like chalk drawings. And I, I like that. Um, but what I actually found something uh, I, I liked about this, which is how Science Saru flexes on this one. Because like Studio Trigger, who did both The Twins, which we talked about last week, and The Elder, which we'll talk about next week, Science Saru also flexes and shows their range of their studio. Because we'll talk about Akakiri next week. Akakiri is dark, it's gritty, and it's nothing like T.O.B. 1. It is the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Where this is like fun and cute and whimsy. Akakiri is like, I'm going to fall to the dark side to save my love because she died. And she was killed by my own hand. Like, it's a completely different story. So I, I like that. Um, oh my god. The way you said... I didn't get the Obi-Wan in his name. Oh, I'm gonna talk about the two Obi Wan. Two Obi Wan. Oh my God! To I, be one. I, that's that's what I took it to be is to be one, but I, you could totally to Obi Wan it too. Well, his he, he becomes Toby. Like that's that's his name. Yeah, he becomes but Toby. It, 
you could almost uh, yeah but there's uh, there's an obi-wan built in the, yeah it's i, it's I, I I'm, I'm amazed that i just didn't see it there's so, like multiple uh, there's multiple like takes on his name and actually it was our friend mark from pink milk who was on our episode for no escape the season one finale of Re resistance um he pointed out in the pink milk live stream um toby being 2b1 um, but also it's kind of a name to, uh, Obi-Wan, but like T-O-B-1 becomes Toby and, Mata and, uh, Mataka gives him that name where he's like, when he finally knights him in the world between worlds, he's like, rise Toby. Because up to that point, he called him T-O-B-1 until Toby was finally ready to become a Jedi. And that's the first time he calls him Toby and it is during his knighting ceremony. Um... So, yeah. But you see that, that you see that's the thing is I thought that could all be program that could be once he triggers that so once he sees that his master's dead and triggers this and the, does this his programming like he could totally be a robot just being you know you know that the, it's like a, it's like a video played where he's like rise or Toby you know. That's totally fine. I'm taking yeah. it out like that. I'm taking it as a fairy tale. Well, I'm just saying it can go, <laughs> it, it, it can go all. You can. It's, that's the thing about it is it seems very slight and and whimsical, but you could you could go so many different directions with this. Um and and this short was my surprise piece because going into it, it was the one I was the least excited for, and a lot of that was that I'm I don't really know anything about Astro Boy. Um, when I saw Professor Mitaka sign, I was like, oh, he looks like the professor from Mega Man, but I've never been a Mega Man person, and GOB1 has those Mega Man vibes to it as well. And so, like, it, I think it's because I had, like, the least amount of expectations. This one took me by complete surprise of, like, whoa, this is really good. <laughs> Holy shit. Because it was so much more than what I was expecting. And while, again, I don't feel like this is on purpose, this short felt so tied to Rebels in so many different ways. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me right away that I constantly paused and look at was the wall carvings in their house. They look so much like the Lothal cave paintings. Like the picture, like the images on Lothal when I think it's like season four. Um, yeah, because it had to be season four because that's when the Lothwolf showed up. Um, where they're in the cave and you see like all the cave paintings of the Jedi like coming down and stuff like that. They look so similar. There's even a tiny little Grievous on the wall, like this like robot looking carved painting with like four lightsabers. And there's a tiny Grievous. Um, and it's just gravy. Yeah. And then it also has it's a very world between world moments when Toby is knighted because he ascends to this different plane that's like starry and there's his master like complete and well, just like how ezra was able to see kanan again and it's it's a different feeling but it has so many of these like rebels nods that i was just like holy shit this is like so good <laughs> it took me completely by surprise um i just also want to shout out the very casual disability representation because Professor Miyaka, uh, Mitaka not having any arms and just existing and being an awesome guy and just a great dad with all these robots that he's built is so cool. And I, at first, like, I never, like, when I watched this the first time, I never noticed it until he's saying goodbye to Toby. And Toby hugs him and he doesn't hug him back. And I was like, oh, 
that's why he's not hugging. Yeah, because they don't they they don't focus on it. If if yeah. you notice it, it's there, but it's just part of his life. It's not like they don't go out of your, their way to be like, oh, look at this. This is a, it's, it's not just, a PSA. Yeah, yeah, it's just part of the story. So. And I thought that was really cool because part of the character. like. Because that's that's a good way to do that kind of representation where it's just part of the character and part of the story. And it's not like a glaring PSA of like, all right, children, let's sit down and talk about disabled people. Like, it just exists. And I yeah. just thought that was so cool. And that, like, I, I just really I like that better because I think you need both of those. I think you need this is more, you know, this is more like to the point of where it's it's normalization, you know. But it and it also shows his character because when he actually reveals he's a Jedi, the Force is his arms. You know, he he gives Toby his lightsaber with the Force, and like we see the power of him as a Jedi, this like Jedi yeah. in hiding, um, just because he uses the Force. Actually, oh, what's her name? Hold on, Hope has to Google something. Korra season three villains. What is her name? There is a character. In the Legend of Korra season three, um, and oh fuck, oh this is not what I want. Okay, there's a here. Oh, sorry, you can edit this all out, but it's still a thing. There's a character in season three of Legend of Korra that fights for the bad guys, but he has, uh, but she's so cool. Gosh. Sorry, Hope is reading things. Uh, 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 none of this is what I want. Her name is Minkwa, and she is a character who is a waterbender, and she doesn't have arms, but she uses her waterbending to be her arms. So she'll just create arms of water, and th that's her mobility. And it's cool stuff like that to where it's just there, and it's part of her character. And that's when uh, I've been trying to put my finger on, like, what exactly Mitaka reminded me of, and it's her. So it's just, I really, it's so cool. Um, I think all the rest of my notes are shallow. Um, Toby is just the cutest little droid. I love him. I want, like, 12. <laughs> He's a baby. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I, something I like about Mitaka, too, is he doesn't stop Toby from dreaming, but he wants him to stay realistic, because... Mataka is a Jedi in hiding. He has to be careful. But he doesn't squash Toby's dream. Instead, he gives him a call to action, which is a different kind of story. Because it's one thing if he was just like the grumpy old man who was like, don't dream. And like Toby snuck out and went on his own. But no, he sat him down and was like, all right, if you want this, this is what you need to do. Yeah, and he no. gives him a call to action. I think he wanted him to, you know, he was, he. that was his way. I think that was... I think he wanted him to go in that direction, but he was like, you can't, you know, you can't just make a Jedi robot and send it out. It's got to, it's got to be in, you know, to a certain point to, to have the responsibility of the, the power. Mm -hmm. So, so he's, yeah, he's just, he's, 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 he's working him along the path, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and other than my, my note of, boy, I love me a cool inquisitor. <laughs> um, the only other note I thought is just, I, I'm glad they didn't harp on it because it would be a very different story and it's not in Toby's character. 
But there has to be a moment later on where he was like, if I wasn't playing around in the ship, my master would still be alive. And because that's exactly what happened. He played around in the ship and the Quizzer came and killed his master. But I think that's what makes it so much more poignant that Toby stays behind to finish Pitaka's work. Because he, something that he'd been blowing off for the entire short to go do his own thing. It showed that he had a love and a respect for Professor Mitaka for not only being his creator, but also just being his father figure. And him staying behind and rebuilding everything that was destroyed is such a nice way to honor the man that he loved. And I just, I thought it was a very beautiful sequence of him just being like, I'm going to put aside my own wants and needs to finish this thing that was important to someone I loved. And I thought that was a really nice a nice moment. Yep, and it sets up what his future is going to be. Mm-hmm. Very much so. To bring life and light. So, but that's all I have for TOB1. Did you have anything else? Nope. All right, Chris. What are your final thoughts on these three episodes? This very strong. This was when I when I binge watched through this. It was right in the middle of this section. That I, you know, the the first two episodes of here, I was just like, man, I'm totally hooked into this. And then 2B1 was just sort of like, it was perfect at that spot because it was such a, it was lighter and a visual break from this, from all the other styles, which were all different, but this was like the most different one. And it was just a nice little little um you know sort of just sort of a, a little break in the style before the last three and yeah i would this this it was right in this section that i was just totally hooked hooked into it and going like okay i'm watching i'm just gonna watch this all the way through so yeah yeah like this middle section of, in, of a strong visions. collection yeah the, all Is, three of these i think it's stronger than the last three yeah, I would agree with that, actually. I, I think this is, story-wise, the strongest section, even though, like, one of my personal favorites is in the first three, first three, and one of my personal favorites is in the last three. But, like, this section altogether are just really strong. Like, every episode of yeah. Visions is fantastic. Yeah. But, like, the Village Bride and the Ninth Jedi are just up on a They're different cinematic. level. cinematic. Uh, well, <clears throat> the Ninth Jedi more. And they're just on a completely different level. And then TOB1 is just good, whimsical Star Wars fairy tale. Like, I could see them making, like, a children's picture book of TOB1. And yeah, no, it sound like hotcakes. This would be, in the old days, this would be a nice little movie they would play before the, the main feature, you know, when you went to the movies. You know, like a Pink Panther cartoon or stuff. They used to, they used to play little animations, and this would have been a nice yeah. little self-contained well, Star Wars. Uh, Pixar still does it because they played their animated yeah. shorts before their feature films. Yeah, yeah, but just as a matter of course, you know. But yeah, this would be a nice little. It's a little. It's its own little self-contained Star Wars story, you know. Yeah, um, look at me being smart. I wrote down the things for next week. Excellent. Yeah, rank all nine episodes at the end of next week. Also talk about running themes between the all nine shorts and what should the Academy Award feature actually be. So uh, that one I've remembered, I, and I will remember when we get there. Also remember, 
as always, we would love to hear your feedback on Apple Podcasts, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page or the Two True Freaks website. This week, our feedback comes from the Facebook page for our Resistance episode, The New World. Take it away, Chris, and I have no idea what Gene is talking about, but the I two, talk- The two classics, yeah. Um, I don't yeah, know what Gene, Gene is Gene Hendricks about. says, ladies and gentlemen, she went all in on the music with little warning, and it was stupendous. I have no I, idea. Maybe it was you. you were singing some Hamilton back around in that that those. That, Not that. in that one though, because that was the one where they go to like Queen Lucy, and there's like no Hamilton characters. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Remember. I'm sure this would. Well, this opens up the opportunity for Gene to clarify in Facebook. <laughs> Gene, what the hell are you talking about, man? Gene, I will uh, forget all over again. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> When when Gene listens to this three weeks from now. All right. The second one is from, of course, I get to do the, the, my, well, I have a third favorite, but he never writes us anymore, but I, yeah. I get to do my echo with Gene and now I get to do Paul C. Kelly. Yeah. Griffin Kaz, and this reminded me of Mason and Goodspeed in the movie The Rock. Especially when they're both locked in prison. Same thing happens in The Rock. Mason, of course, the veteran ex-British intelligence agency and good speed chemical weapons specialist. Younger and inexperienced in combat. Oh no. Griff was a little more kind to Kaz, though, but Griff was also not going to be locked back up by the FBI. The FBI's not in space. Unjustly like Mason was. Spoiler alert that Mason ends up getting around that. Sorry, Hope, if you didn't see The Rock. But you are going to like, be like, WTF. Exactly right. So, you know what we remember this week? Candy. We got some. This looks like some seriously, like... Like it says Charles SF, so I'm assuming that's San Francisco. Yes, actually. So if you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Cats because he's a weirdo. And this week our candy comes from the Charles Carmel Chris Rice Bar, and it is from San Francisco. I just want to break off a piece. I don't want the whole thing. There oh we no, we can't. Uh, yeah. I couldn't break it. It was being It's like mean. dark. It's like all. It's like only the finest brown rice crisps. With a, it's all. It's all totally like pretentious. Oh but my god! Good. Oh my god! Holy I shit! I love crispy. It's a little harder to bite into than I thought it was going to be. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, this is I, good. I love crispies and chocolate. Crispies are my favorite. Mm. Oh my god, I'm gonna eat this forever. Mm. It's so big. It's like a full fucking Hershey bar of nothing but like this dark chocolate brick. Think of a dark chocolate brick. No, this is gonna last me days and days and days. Think of a dark chocolate brick that's like a quarter to a half an inch thick with caramel rice krispies on top. Mm -hmm. It's so fucking good. Mm. Good job, San Francisco. Um, 
I just saw a video on how to make your own chocolate right from the right from the chocolate plant. Mm. The cocoa beans. And mm. holy shit, I want to do it. Do it. I thought it was going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem hard. It just seems t- like involved because you got to ferment the beans. They come they come out uh, they they look like slimy like bug eggs inside of a coconut and then you ferment them in a jar mm-hmm. for for a length of time till they turn brown and then you roast them and just grind them up and that's the chocolate and then you add as much sugar or sweetness as you want to make it whatever percent mm-hmm. but I'm still, I'm still eating this thing sorry the, cra- <laughs> the crazy part of it was when they were making the chocolate Mm-hmm. You need like cocoa butter too to to make like a chocolate bar. They were making a chocolate bar out of it, which is what I would do. And they, you have to grind it up super fine, mix in the cocoa butter, and then you sort of double boiler it and make it into a liquid. But it needs like a crystallization, and there's a way to do it that's really like kind of difficult. Or you can just take a little piece of of chocolate from another piece of chocolate drop it in and it will crystallize the whole thing so you just sort of activate it with another piece of chocolate i thought that was really cool Mm. very very magic sounding the magic of of chocolatry oh this is so good it's so good as you were talking i was just like kind of going to like a euphoric state over here yeah it's got the dark (laughs) chocolate and the and the crunch and the caramelized sugar but it's really got a like a really fruity i'm just i'm a sucker uh, it's for delicious rice so like rice krispies are like my chef's kiss i love crisp rice krispies and and any candy and they're like oh so good Oh, the dark chocolate is just dumping the dark chocolate endorphins so i'm just like <laughs> Anyway, uh, do you have anything else about these three episodes? No, that's all I got. All right, Chris. Well, where can people find you? That's all I got. I ain't got no more to give. You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. Sorry if my mouth is a little juicy with chocolate. I'm gorging myself, and I don't care. Ad is a, a website containing all of our podcasts, all of them just stacked up into the sky, into the clouds, and you can you can browse through them and listen to all our podcasts. You can subscribe to them. You can uh, show them to everybody at work. You can show them to your mom and dad. You can just stop people in the streets and shove it in their face with your phone if you want to, and I encourage that but not officially. Um, You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, That is a website that you can go to and sign up for. And you can find the Two True Freaks podcast there. And uh, we'll post all our episodes on that. And if you want to go and chat with any of the, the podcasters or listeners or anybody who's been attracted there to the Two True Freaks cantina, you can go there. And if you're a real daredevil you can go to uh, 
the foul and I love how every week you sound a little bit more pained. Foul and poisonous Twitter run by Gene Gene the Invincible Machine, obviously if you survive. Why are you at pain when talking about Gene? It's 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 I don't know how a human can do it. I don't know how he how he does it. It's super like, cute. Like when, it's superhuman. Well, it's one thing like to be like of oh, Twitter, but it's another one to be like uh 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 Gene. Gene, how uh, like how are you not <laughs> I dead? Thank you for letting me set up that. How do you survive? I was sitting on it. Thank you. <laughs> Tone policing me, hope. anyway gene does twitter that's all i got for where can you find me where can i find you hope hey hope also does twitter you can find me at j guys and jedi on twitter that is also does twitter also do the twitters the tweets um you can also find me at hope molinex on twitter i'm also a writer for the geeky waffle i was recently on space waffles and i assume i'm gonna be on space waffles again because we talked about the last throne book and i feel like we're gonna be talking about the next throne book but we'll see um though i should announce while i'm here um i by the time it should be out by the time this episode comes out so check out gold squadron on gaze Gold Squadron Gazes invited me on. Our friend Charles, who was uh, our guest for our last episode of Resistance, has invited me on to talk about the High Republic. So that will probably be out by the time this episode comes out, so you can check me out over there, too, uh, as a guest. Um, and, yeah, I've for the Geeky Waffle. My website is Geeky Girl Experience, and Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. So, Chris, I don't want visions to end it's gonna end but uh, there's the uh, there's gonna be a season two there'll they'll, they'll be more or there there will be i'm sure they will bring something from this because it was it went over really well yeah. they're submitting it to the academy awards so i think they like i mean even if say it didn't get a i don't know if it got like a huge reaction positive it reaction did. Uh, well, okay. Even if it didn't, it's like the quality of it. When you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some studio execs in Disney that are that are slobs and wouldn't appreciate anything. I was about to say the people saw. who didn't like it are the usual suspects that don't like Star Wars. But like, yeah. But but when this when when this got turned in, I would have been like, ooh, we got something here. You know, there's definite like there's definite like. Just the just the the directions that it gets our conversation going on in these these last two episodes or last two shows, six episodes is, you know, it's fertile ground. It's very fertile and it's and it's really like sort of like one of those things of like, why didn't this happen a lot earlier? You know, and it, it's it's I, I you know, it's it's a creative shot in the arm to Star Wars, uh, actually, you know. So they would be fools not to do more. Question that you can edit this out. Um, do we want to do a Visions wrap-up episode? No. Nah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, I was yeah. just wondering about that. Um, well, then, come back next week and we'll wrap up Visions when we talk about another one of my personal favorites, The Elder, Lapanocho, which I also love, and Akakiri, which I have a lot of thoughts and feelings on because I think it's an interesting ending to the series. And as dark and yeah. gritty as it is, 
I feel like it's one of the most hopeful pieces of the bunch, so. Oh, interesting. Uh, I know, I know. Hear me out, hear me out, because, but you'll hear me out next week, because I do think it's an interesting piece to end on, and I think I know why, because it feels like a big middle finger fuck you to trust. So, <laughs> come back next week and hear how. Interesting. All right, guys, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Ha, ha, ha.